It's Zotime. Welcome to the Zotime Show, presented by HoopsAndBrews.com. I will be your host for the night, Daniel Belt, and Laker fans, NBA fans, and whoever else is listening out there, we are now in the last 30 days without basketball. Preseason's coming up, and then the NBA regular season is followed after that, but the boring times without the NBA is almost over, and luckily, NBA TV has shown a lot of old games on their television, as well as WNBA regular season and playoff games to kind of keep those of us that are addicted to the game of basketball, like, entertained, because without that channel, probably would have spent more time on the timeline arguing stupid takes with a lot of idiots out there, but just luckily, the NBA TV has basically blessed all of us basketball fans with throwback games. Um, Just the other day, the Lakers had theirs. Um, the Spurs had theirs as well, and I believe it was the Mavericks had it yesterday, so it's just cool seeing um, NBA games still on television, and it's also fun reliving those old moments with... Some people do live-tweet those games on the timeline, so it's just fun seeing all of that happen and just to know that other people out there are as obsessed with the NBA as myself and the... My partners that work at Hoops and Brews, Pavi and TPJ, they're also basketball assessed. So it's just cool that we can interact with this way. And NBA TV has done a very good job on allowing that to happen. So yeah, again, this is the last month without actual NBA basketball. So we're almost done. The dog days are almost over. And for us Laker fans out there, there's so much optimism heading into this actual NBA season for many reasons. We get to see the improvement of our young players. We get to see the greatest basketball player to probably ever play in LeBron James wear the purple and gold for the first time. Our playoff streak is likely over, and, I mean, there's just so many things to be excited about. And there are other things in the NBA, like, to be excited about as well, but this is the Zoe Time show, and we only focus about, uh, we only basically talk about Lakers basketball on this podcast and on the Twitter page as well. If you haven't already, go ahead and follow along at, at the Zotime Podcast. It's a pretty cool Lakers page. It's basically a lot of hot takes, a lot of like um, analysis on past games that happened in the past, and when the actual NBA season is here, I will be live tweeting during every Laker game and giving my thoughts on what the team should do to get better. So I know... Uh, basketball Twitter talk is kind of slow right now and kind of boring, but don't worry. Season's about to start and it's going to pick back up. And for actual Laker related news, nothing's really happened in the past two weeks. It's been very quiet. Like, we haven't really seen any pictures of our players like working out together. Um, I think Magic is still overseas. Uh, but it just seems like everyone is enjoying the last couple weeks um, on vacation before they have to report to camp before the preseason starts. So it looks like they're just unwinding before they have to get to their regular job and just get back to work. Um, this is the the players that we had from last season. They're going to be under scrutiny a lot this season. There's going to be a huge chip on all over their shoulder. This is going to be the Probably every single game they play is going to be the biggest game they've played in their career going forward because this season there's a lot of expectations. We have LeBron now, so 
training camp for the Lakers is going to be very important. Not only because we have LeBron, but we have a ton of new faces. We have JaVale, Rondo, Lance, Beasley. Then we also have Lonzo coming back from injury. We have Mo Wagner coming back from injury. We have Zvi, who is going to be a rookie, getting implemented into the team as well. So we just have a lot of things to go over in training camp and a lot of new players on the roster and a lot of kinks to work out before we get to the NBA season. And the Lakers do not have a very easy schedule to start with. It's very tough. The first two games of the season are against the Blazers and the Rockets. So we're going to be tested very early. So we need to get to work as quick as we can. Um, But I'll go over a couple of things that we've actually been able to see on the timeline. Uh, Lonzo looks to be back on the court. Uh, from his friend Demo with the Instagram story, Lonzo was getting shots up at the Lakers facility. I'm not sure if the video was old or if it's new. Not sure, but it does seem to be that Lonzo is back on an NBA court and he's he was working on his shot in that video. So that's a positive sign. Um, in the Kobe interview that was debuted on the Rich Eisen show, um, Kobe said that he has worked out with Kyle Kuzma this summer, kind of putting to bed all those um, worries that Kobe was never going to work out with any of our young players after many Laker fans freaked out when they saw Jason Tatum working out with Kobe. Um, You guys can relax. The Mamba has worked out with Kuzma, who has the Mamba mentality that many Laker fans love to say. And one thing that was interesting about when Kobe explained how he's worked out with Kuzma is he says that they basically look at their film, critique what the player does well and what the player doesn't do well, and that's sort of cool. It's not like they're just getting together for a workout. No, it's Kobe going over film, who is one of the probably the best learners out there because Kobe took all of his moves from previous players that have played in the game, most notably um, Michael Jordan and Hakeem. A lot of Kobe's post moves were Hakeem's, and a lot of Kobe's other moves were Michael's. So Kobe studied the game, and hopefully he passed it on to Kuzma when they watched film together and critiqued all of his stuff. And I'm very excited for the improvements of Kyle Kuzma going into next season. I think he is going to be way better defensively than he was this past year, and that's a huge sign. I believe to get a lot of minutes on this upcoming Lakers team, We already know LeBron can play so well on offense. How you're going to get your minutes from the other players, though, is how well they play on defense to kind of balance that out. And everyone's going to need to improve on defense, and hopefully Kobe helped Kuzma pick out his spots on where to work on defense. Yes, Kyle Kuzma might not be the greatest individual defender, but there are ways to kind of cheat that, kind of like position your body on the defense, Know when to um, know when to be aggressive on defense. Know when to use the player's body against them. And I'm just going to hope that Kobe passed that on. Josh Hart is still making jokes on Instagram. I'm pretty sure he's working out daily because in the pictures we've seen, he does look like he's also packed on muscle as well. But he is still the jokester of the young Lakers players, and it's just it's funny. Um, It seems like that humor fits in well with LeBron. It's kind of like a passive-aggressive type humor, and that's who I believe LeBron is as a person. So I believe 
our young roast squad is going to fit in well with that sort of thing. Um, Brandon Ingram looks like he is still working out in, I believe, North Carolina. Um, there was a teaser released from his from his camp with him kind of like working on some uh, ball work where he was at. Uh, he was putting up some shots as well. He was also in the boxing ring with Jerry Stackhouse, and I mean, that's cool. It looks like Ingram's being more focused with how well his body holds up over the season, and I mean, for Ingram, it does. it's not necessarily that he needs to put on all these pounds and get bigger quickly, just he needs to get stronger, and I mean, that's all we can hope for. Um, LeBron is getting some jokes off as well. He made fun of Brendan Ingram for wearing... Uh, the old school Lakers um, like practice shirts. It was when we were signed when the NBA was signed with Adidas. Brandon Ingram was or posted a picture of himself wearing that, and LeBron got a joke off. So it's going to be fun seeing these players interact with each other and hopefully develop this chemistry. Because, like I said, this is the most pressure-packed season that the Lakers have had since the 2012-2013 season. So we're going to need for all these players to get along to click instantly because the teams LeBron normally goes to, it takes a while for them to gel. Think of the 2011 Heat or the 2015 Cavs. There was quite a bit of unfamiliarity. There was a lot of who's going to be the alpha, who's going to take a back seat. I think it's very clear this is going to be LeBron's team, and it obviously should. And I also think that none of our players have an ego to where they're going to take kind of like a back seat to that, or like take offense to it. Um, I'm not saying Julius Randle would have had an ego or would have had a problem with it, but I do believe there would have been some like resentment when LeBron goes ISO with Julius because Julius is also a heavy ISO player. So maybe that's one of the reasons why we let Julius go, but I'm just speculating here. And regarding every other Laker on the roster, I have no idea what they're going on. I will admit, one of the funniest pictures I have ever seen, I think, ever, was when Lance Stevenson posted the picture of himself on an NBA court in a Lakers jersey with Michael Jordan at the top, Larry Bird on the left side, and Magic Johnson on the right side. And it was like, the goats all have love for me, which is honestly true. All three of those players ha have signed them, have signed Lance Stevenson to his team. Magic did it with the Lakers, obviously. Jordan did it with the Hornets. And Larry did it when he was, I believe, the GM of the Pacers. So it's that was honestly the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen. Because we all know Lance Stevenson is just this jokester of a person and... He thinks he's a great player when, I mean, he's not. Like, he thinks he's way better than what he is, but that's the kind of irrational confidence that hopefully this Laker team has. And because they're going to need that when the times get tough this season, when they lose two to three straight, and you hear the NBA media saying, do they have to trade X and Y player to help LeBron get better now? They're going to need thick skin, and that's what Lance Stevenson has. I think more people talk shit on Lance Stevenson than they do for any other player besides probably like Draymond Green or like a JaVale McGee. Like Lance hears a lot of stuff, a lot of negative 
criticism, both on what he did in his personal life, which I don't condone, and with how he plays on the court, which he has a lot of, like, weird things that he does on the actual NBA court, like blowing in LeBron's ear, and I believe he tried to pull someone's pants down as well. So yeah, besides that picture getting posted, which is one of the greatest pictures I've ever seen, I have no idea what JaVale is doing. I know he was in Africa for um, the NBA World game. I know Luol Deng was there. With Rondo, I think I saw him at either it was the Big Three tournament or it was the WNBA playoffs. I saw him courtside somewhere. Um, no idea what Michael Beasley's doing or any of the young Laker players. So let's get into our first topic of the day, and that's going to be the random Lakers stat of the day. Since 1991, the Lakers have only had two winners of the NBA MVP award. That was Shaq in 2000 and Kobe in 2008. For such a storied franchise, the NBA has been kind of lame with not awarding the Lakers with shit once Magic retired for the first time. Like, since 1991, when Magic left basketball for the first time, we've had two probably top ten players of all time play for our franchise. Shaq played here for about eight years, I believe. And then Kobe played here healthy for, like, 17. Yet, two players in the top ten of all time only won a combined two MVPs, which I think is blasphemous. Shaq should have had at least two, and Kobe should have at least two. That number should double. We should have had four winners since at least 1991, and that's just being... That's being nice to the NBA. For whatever reason, the NBA just has decided to kind of like turn a cold shoulder to the Lakers, and I do not know why. So I just find it weird that, again, we had Kobe and Shaq for a long time. Yet, and everyone knows, if you listen to Kevin Durant, LeBron James, or whoever else will listen, Gilbert Arenas, they'll tell you how great Kobe was. If you listen to Bill Russell, Hakeem, Dikembe, Ben Wallace, Rashid, they'll tell you how much of a force Shaq was and how he dominated the league for at least three years. So if you dominate the league for three years, don't you think you should get more than one MVP? And I know now in the world we live in, with how the NBA has voted, they get tired of giving the MVP to the best player on the planet, which has been LeBron James since at least 2011, I believe. He only has, what, four MVPs in his entire career when he's been the best player for, I mean, you could argue 10, but the least amount of number he's been the best player of the NBA is at least seven. So he honestly could have seven to 10 MVPs if the MVP award was based on who the best player in the game is. But I think that's going to change this coming up, this coming season. I believe the Lakers will get their first MVP winner since 2008 in LeBron James. And it's going to be nice to see a Laker hold up that trophy. Although it's going to be weird because the last time we saw a Laker win the MVP, uh, Kobe received it in the playoffs. Shaq received it in the playoffs. LeBron's going to receive it at the NBA Media Awards that they do in like late June, which... I think it's personally stupid. I think that's a very lame award show, but 
the NBA on TNT will do anything to get more views. So I guess that's kind of cool, but I always was a fan of giving it to the player during the playoffs. Um, let's see. How else has the NBA kind of shafted the Los Angeles Lakers? Um, Phil Jackson never won Coach of the Year while being the coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. Do you know how hard it is to win five championships as a coach of a single team and not win a Coach of the Year while coaching that team? I find that blasphemous, and I... That's just... It's funny as hell. Overall, Phil Jackson's won, I believe, 11 coaches as a... 11 finals as a coach, and yet he only has one uh, Coach of the Year award, which is stupid, because you have people like Dwayne Casey or Mike D'Antoni winning Coach of the Years, and they don't have any bling to show for it. I, If you're the Coach of the Year, I mean, don't you think you should reward the finals winning coaches for that award instead of just giving it to fucking bums? And I'm sorry, Dwayne Casey, you're not a bum, but Pringles is. So yeah, it's just weird. The NBA has kind of just like turned a blind eye to whatever the Lakers have done since I was born, which happened to be 92, and just kind of not really cared about the Los Angeles Lakers franchise, even though the Lakers are their premier model for what a franchise should be. When we're great, we're relevant. When we're bad, we're relevant. No fan base is as loyal to their team as the Lakers are. We have the biggest fan base in the NBA, and we have the most loyal. We buy the most shit. We watch the most games. So I'm not saying they should reward us with anything. It's just, don't be dicks. That's all I have to say about that. And then, another funny thing. I don't even know if Lou will finish in the top three for sixth man of the year award when he was with the Lakers, but he didn't win it when he was with us. The NBA waited till he was a Clipper the next season to give it to him. So there's just another way of the NBA kind of saying fuck you to the Lakers. I don't know what we did to David Stern and Adam Silver to get this, but whatever. We also were fined, what was it, $500,000 for saying uh, when Magic said he hopes Giannis gets Milwaukee a championship, yet you have... Daryl Morey talking about LeBron winning a championship in LA, yet the Rockets have not been fined, but the Lakers did, so. I get it, we bring in the most money, it's probably easy to fine us because you'll, you know you'll get it right away without any complaints. With the Rockets, they might take it to court because they're a poverty franchise and yada yada yada. Um, then you look to the whole Chris Paul veto trade, another instance where the Lakers were given the shaft. So again, I don't know what we did, and hopefully whoever is messing with the Lakers voodoo doll can stop because we have LeBron James, and I don't want to see anything bad happen now. Like, If LeBron were to get some sort of career-altering injury when he's been healthy his entire career, if he gets that injury under the Lakers, I'll think we're cursed, and I think, man... That would just be depressing. You get the greatest basketball player of all time who has been injury-free for 13, 14 years into his basketball career, yet he signs with us and something bad happens. There would, there would just be some negative juju with our franchise that, God, I don't want to become the Chicago Cubs 
when they had to go like a hundred years without winning a title. I don't want to become the Boston Red Sox. I don't ever want to become the Cleveland Browns. So I'm just hoping that bad juju is gone. And yeah, so this random Lakers set of the day was more of a like random Lakers stats of the day because there was just a lot given and it was just mainly to show you that even though people say, oh, the NBA favors the Lakers, these are instances that show you otherwise. All right, let's get into the first topic, and that is my prediction for the Lakers in this upcoming season, and I'll just give it to you right away without making you wait. I, Daniel Belts, believe the Lakers are going to win 55 games. I will repeat that so you guys can all revisit this in April when we get very freaking close to winning 55 games, or we hit it, or we go past it. I think we will go 55 and 27. That is a 20-game improvement from last year. And there are many reasons why I believe this. It's not just because we got LeBron. There are just so many other factors to where why I believe this. Um, obviously, main reason one, wherever LeBron goes, you get at least a, I believe it is a 10-game improvement. When he went from Cleveland to Miami for the first time, they won 10-plus more games. When he went back to Cleveland to... Kyrie and Kevin Love, it was a 10-game improvement as well. And, I mean, if you look at our roster, outside of, if you take LeBron out off the Cavs last year, I believe the Lakers have a better roster than the Cavs did last year, if you take out LeBron. So, I mean, if LeBron was able to get them to, what, the NBA Finals in the East... I think he should at least be able to get you 55 wins in the West. And it's not like he didn't play well against the Warriors. It's just his teammates let him down. That's not going to happen here in L.A. And again, there are many reasons why. So if all you were able to do right now is, hey, the Lakers won 35 games last year. They got LeBron. Just add 10. We're already at 45. The rest, I don't know how many games each topic I'm going to bring up can get you. I don't know how many wins that adds, but there's at least 10 more games we can win with the other reasons I'm going to bring up. And that is, one, our young core is going to improve. There's no way in hell that I don't think each player improves on a very strong outing from last year. Brandon Ingram showed huge strides in year two. And I believe that's going to carry into year three. Kyle Kuzma made the All-NBA Rookie first team. And he seems to have gotten stronger over the offseason. And I have honestly think Kyle Kuzma has lived in the gym this offseason. Every single time I see a picture of Kyle Kuzma, he's in the gym. Um, also, regarding Kyle Kuzma, he's had a crazy offseason. He was one of the first players to work out with LeBron at the um, at the Lakers facility. He also is one of the players that has been um, linked to working out with Kobe Bryant this offseason. He also attended Seth and Steph Curry's shooting camp. So this summer, he's hung out with LeBron, Kobe, and Curry. That's three top 15, 20 players of all time that he's worked out with. You can't tell me him hanging out with all these all-time greats isn't going to make him a better player. Like, 
And it's not that he's just, like, going to dinner with them or going to a movie. With, no, he's actually in a basketball gym with these all-time greats. So he's soaking up knowledge. He's probably working out with them as well. And it's just very cool to see. And that doesn't surprise you. Everything we've heard about Kyle Kuzma is he's this gym rat. He works very hard. And he doesn't have many outside interests um, outside of the NBA besides... Uh, helping the city of Flint become a better city, get them clean water, and kind of like improve their school systems as well. Kyle Kuzma seems to be a great all-around dude who only cares about where he came from and his profession, and that's very cool to see. So that's Ingram and Kuzma already. Uh, we saw Josh Hart's improvement over the Summer League, the Summer League MVP, and it's not like he was doing too much. It looked like he was playing within the flow of a basketball system, and, I mean, even if you factor in the end of April and how well he played, I just believe he's going to have a very impressive sophomore season, and even though he's a very young player, he does have a championship pedigree. He played at the University of Villanova. He's used to playing in big-time games and big-time spots, late pressure situations and that's what we're going to need with LeBron here we're going to need players that play well when the lights turn brightest and I believe that's how he's going to be he's also probably one of the best shooters on our team probably top two top three him KCP and Kuzma probably have a battle for who's the best shooter on this team but again Josh Hart is going to just be such a better player this season because of the talent around him then you get to Lonzo Ball who honestly I believe he's going to be God, I, I normally don't say second year players should be in the running for most improved because I mean they've only had one season but he's going to improve that much to me to where he should be in the running and it's not like his numbers are going to like his actual stats like points, rebounds, or assists are going to shoot up that much. It's just his percentages are going to increase, and you're just going to be like, why did I ever think this guy was not a good to great NBA player? He's going to show you everything you need to show. I think he's going to show you more of his offensive repertoire with finishing around the rim, some runners, some mid mid-range game, and then I think his shot's going to be they're not going to overhaul his shot, as we saw in Demo's Instagram story, but there are certain things to where like, you can make minor adjustments with like how you jump, how you land, your follow-through, and stuff like that. Like, and I, I just don't think they need to change the release because it worked at UCLA. So I just think he's going to improve his field goal, free throw, and oh, I need to see him at least get to 60% this season, which... Going from like 40-ish to 60 in one season would be great. I want 70, but that's you can't ask a player to shoot 25% better from the free throws in one season. But it's also doable since he basically only shot one free throw per game. So if he did make that big of a jump, I would not be surprised. And I just think he's... In some games, he looked passive. In some games, he looked disinterested. And I believe he's not going to have to deal with a lot of that outside noise that happened last season to begin the season. Like with Trump versus LeVar, uh, LiAngelo's China problems. Um, Lonzo's also not going to have a pregnancy surprise to begin the season. He's just going to have 
his head more on his shoulders this upcoming season. He's going to basically have an understanding of how the NBA game is played, how NBA teams kind of match up against them, because you heard John Wall, Patrick Beverly, and all these other players like Joel Embiid say their main focus is shutting down Lonzo, which was wild for a rookie. But again, he's dealt with all of that in his first year, so I believe this second year is going to be a lot easier for him. He's going to be happier, and he's just kind of going to know, hey, this is what they threw at me this year. My game has gotten better. Watch out. So we already have the 10-game improvement from LeBron. Maybe that gets you two to three wins on the season. I'm thinking more, but we'll see. Um, Also, health. Lonzo and Brandon Ingram missed like 30 games each last season. So obviously that played a huge reason why we did lose, what, 47 games and only won 35. So, I mean, that's about 60 games combined right there where they missed. So imagine if they don't miss 60 games combined, we win a lot more games. So that probably combats those people that say, hey, um, people are going to start playing the Lakers tough. They're not going to, like, tank or, like, take it easy against them, which I've heard a lot of, but we're the Los Angeles Lakers. Everyone always wants to beat us, so I don't really buy into that, oh, they took it easy on us kind of bullshit. Like, the Rockets played Chris Paul, James Harden, um, and Baamute in game 81 against us for absolutely no reason. They already had the number one seed locked up. Like, they played their players against us in game 81. So don't say, hey, the Lakers only won this many games because teams sat their main players against us or teams took it easy on us no they did not so that's kind of like the us getting healthier this season kind of like balances those that say we're going to lose some of those games that teams took it easy on us so again i'm giving you reasons why i think we're going to win at least 55 games this year improving from 35 last year these are actually realistic expectations because if you would have put LeBron on any single team from if you said hey LeBron went to the Magic you're going to say they're at least winning 10 more games LeBron is probably the only player besides like Curry and KD and Harden that you could say hey you put this player there they're going to win 10 plus games like without hesitation and maybe LeBron's even worth more than that but those are just the four players that you can say, hey, they're going to do this, you put them here, you can at least increase their win total by this amount of points. Um, So not only are we going to be healthier, we're going to be stronger. Um, The Lakers made it a huge focus on many of their players to get more of a NBA body this upcoming season to deal with the wear and tear because they're expecting us to make a deep playoff run. What do you need? For a deep playoff run, you need stamina and strength, and that's what we're getting. Uh, We also have a deeper team than last year. We have Tyler Ennis will not be playing anymore. He is waived. We have Rajon Rondo now. Um, Travis Ware won't be getting any minutes. It'll be Michael Beasley. Uh, Corey Brewer won't be getting any minutes. It'll be uh, Lance Stevenson. And then we have JaVale McGee as well who was a two-time champion and actually played pretty well in the NBA Finals last year. So we're a much deeper team. 
if and when injuries do happen, this current Lakers team is more equipped to deal with that than last season. Like, uh, last season when Lonzo and Brandon Ingram both went down in December, our team was a joke. We lost nine straight. This year, we're going to have championship caliber players fill that role. Rondo is a one of the best students of the game. He's like one of the best floor generals the NBA has ever seen. And he's like a one million times improvement over Tyler Ennis. Like I can't stress that enough. Tyler Ennis won't be starting games for us anymore. It'll be Rajon Rondo if Lonzo is out with an injury. Travis Ware won't be getting minutes. It'll be Michael Beasley if an injury does happen. So we have players who are NBA battle-tested that are just going to be able to come in and give you a positive impact on the court instead of calling up guys from the G League, signing people to 10 days. That's not going to happen this season. We have a NBA roster for the first time in a long time. For the first time probably since 2013. We are going to have a very balanced and deep team. It's going to depend on the rotations and Luke Walton with how much minutes each player gets, but we're just more equipped to deal with whatever happens this season, and that's exciting. There's going to be no unknown, and that's great. Also, so you factor those, and and then this last one. Actually, second to last one. Luke struggled as a coach to begin the uh, early part of last season, like, he was unsure of himself. He didn't know when to call timeout at the end of the games. He didn't know which players to plug in. He started Larry Nance over Julius Randle. There was a mistake right there. Um, and he made a lot of like rookie to second-year mistakes going into the beginning of last season. But you saw him improve as a coach when he realized, hey, Lonzo's out. Tyler Ennis is obviously not any sort of an answer to deal with the point guard minutes when Lonzo's out. Let me plug in Brandon Ingram at point guard and see what happens. You saw Brandon Ingram's best best month happen when Luke gave him point guard responsibilities. Luke saw a problem, Luke fixed it. That is probably Luke's best coaching adjustment outside of starting Julius Randle over Larry Nance. We saw the improvements with our team when Julius started over Larry Nance. So he did make two roster adjustments last season that made a positive impact on our team, and that's brilliant for Luke Walton, who is a very young NBA coach. So heading into this season, he's also going to grow as a coach. He also has um, Genie's blessing, Magic's blessing, Palinka's blessing, and I believe also a mutual admiration from LeBron. They competed against each other when Luke was in the league. Um... I'm not sure if Luke was on the Cavs team when LeBron was there or was it was when LeBron was in Miami, but the two know each other, and I don't believe it's going to be a LeBron-David Blatt type situation. I believe it's going to be like a LeBron and Eric Spolstra type situation. There's going to be a mutual respect, and they're both going to let each other do their jobs without getting Luke fired. I I'm very excited with the potential that Luke has as a head coach. He has that, um, he's a total player's coach. He bonds with each one. He knows how to push each one to get what he wants out of them. 
and he's just very laid back like his dad um he's worked with phil jackson steve kerr so he knows what a championship culture looks like so i just i am so excited for this upcoming nba season and that's just another reason why i believe 55 games going into my next point the lakers lost 11 games last season by five points or fewer that was because we did not have a closer we saw KCP throw up some dumbass shots against the Warriors. Um, we saw Julius Randle try some things at the end, end of games as well. We saw Brooke Lopez try some things as well. But rest easy, we got LeBron. So this point probably goes into LeBron's a 10-game improvement automatically. But again, we only lost... We lost... It's probably a lot. We lost 11 games last season by 5 points or less. That's 2 to 3 possessions per game in those 11 games. So if we had LeBron, we'd probably go like 8 and 3 in those 11 games. So there's just a automatic improvement right there. This is a very tangible idea. You can see it. It's not like saying, hey, there were games we lost by 20. If you plug in LeBron, we might win those games. No. But with games we lost by five points or fewer than, we can look at it and see, hey, if we had LeBron instead of player X, we might be able to win that game, and we should win that game. We have the best player in the world, LeBron James. Go out there and get that W. Also, I believe we're going to not only have a winning record against the East like we did last year, we're probably going to be like 24-6 and against the East. The East is terrible. Like, the only actual teams in the East are the Celtics, um, Raptors, and 76ers. And last year, we beat the 76ers and the Celtics. So again, the East is terrible. We beat the Celtics without, I believe it was Lonzo Ball and someone else. So it was just funny to see that, like, the Lakers were actually able to beat really good teams last year. This 2018-2019 Los Angeles Lakers team is going to surprise a lot of people, and they're going to shock a lot of people. I honestly, honest, I honestly believe the very least amount of wins we get is 50, which we haven't done since um, 2012. So it's been a long time coming, but we're getting the 50 wins, at least. That's the bare minimum. You can't tell me after everything I've just explained that we're not going to improve by at least 15. The absolute best I think the Lakers could do is 60. 60 is the max. Like, we we have no business winning 60 games this season. I don't think a LeBron-led team in their first year with them has won 60 games. So it'd be, it would be cool to do it, but that's the absolute most we can get. I don't think we're going to get 60 or more than 60 because, like I said, with the whole LeBron first year thing and also the team that Magic and Palenka crafted, it's more of a playoff team. You get playoff Rondo. You get playoff uh, Lance. You get playoff Bron. So if we're going to have all these veterans that are going to help our young core out in the playoffs. Like, None of our young core has been in the playoffs. And let's see. When we saw 
Kobe in his first year or so in the playoffs, he sort of struggled. We saw Powell's first year in LA, his he sort of struggled in the playoffs. We saw Bynum sort of struggle in the playoffs. So we've seen our young players sort of look lost once they got to the playoffs, yet the Lakers, this team, has a bunch of veterans that are going to be able to help them through, kind of like how uh, Ron Harper did with the 2000 Lakers, kind of like how Eddie Jones and Van Exel did with their first two seasons with Shaq. So, I mean, the Lakers have a blueprint for what they want to do, and I believe Magic and Polinka executed it perfectly. Our young core is going to get valuable experience, and our vets are going to help them out when the times get tough. This is going to be one great year, and I cannot wait for it to happen. The Lakers are going to win 55 games. It'll get us the three seed. The first seed is going to either go to the Rockets, the Rockets or the Warriors. It's If the Warriors take it seriously, they get the first seed. If the Rockets have a crazy year like last year, they get the number one seed. And then it goes us. I think we're going to be better than the Jazz, Thunder, Nuggets, and whoever the hell else. I really want to see the Lakers go up against... OKC in the playoffs. I want to play playoff PG 13%. I want to play Russ. I can't get out of the first round without Kevin Durant. I want to beat them in the first round of the playoffs so they can stop using that Andre Roberson was hurt bullshit. And I do want to beat Steven Adams. Like I, I do like Steven Adams as a player, but he acts like this NBA tough guy when he's been bounced very early in the playoffs, so... It is what it is. And yeah, so we're winning 55 games this season. Write it down. If I'm wrong, you can make fun of me in the uh, summer of next year, but I honestly believe we're winning 55. Now let's get to the next topic, and that's the 2019 NBA free agency. We all know our number one option is go after Kawhi, but the Raptors just signed one of Kawhi's best friend to work on the coaching staff, We've heard the rumors that Kawhi is actually open to staying in Toronto. And for all the reports out there, Toronto is a great city. It's not shitty-ass San Antonio. It's a international hotspot. There's a lot of things to do there. There's Drake. There's what I've, From what I've heard and from the mouths of Charles Barkley, Charles Barkley always made fun of the women in San Antonio. And I've heard a lot of great things about Toronto women. So maybe that appeals to Kawhi. I don't know. Paul George stayed in OKC. So I wouldn't be surprised if Kawhi decided to stay in a way better city than OKC. That is actually Toronto. So looking after Kawhi, we've heard some rumors that I have that no one's heard yet. And that's Jimmy Butler is actually open to the idea of playing in LA with LeBron. That's just a another all-star that has come out and said, hey, I want to play in LA. And a lot of players, or a lot of fan bases have made fun of the Lakers for striking out on all those players that said, hey, you know what? The idea of playing in LA is cool. And then we missed out on all of those, but hey, we signed LeBron. Fuck you guys. And now it seems that LeBron's here. People are open to the idea of coming now. Jimmy Butler is an all-star that plays both sides of the floor. He is a great defender, and he can do a lot of things well on offense. And he was the main reason the Timberwolves improved. Don't let Timberwolf, Timberwolf fans like brainwash you, and, they, and they'll make it 
to where it seems like Carl Anthony Towns is the reason why. He was not the number one reason why they improved. Neither was Andrew Wiggins. It was Jimmy Butler. Their team was meh without him, and they were great with him. They Jimmy Butler had them as the number three seed in the West when he was playing before he got hurt. After he got hurt, they were a below 500 team without him on the floor. Their net rating suffered like crazy without him. So don't let them fool you to where like, oh, well, our young players are so talented. Anyone wants to come here? No, they don't. They aren't that talented. And like I said, the stats for him on and off the court is insane for the Timberwolves. If the Timberwolves lose him for nothing in free agency after trading Zach Levine and a pick for him, that'll be laughable because by all reports that have been thrown out there, Jimmy Butler does not like playing with Cat or Andrew, and we'll, we'll see. If they lose him for nothing, that'll just be hilarious. The only downside to Jimmy Butler is he has a little Paul George in him. I'll explain that by saying when it, what it means to have a little Paul George in you is to sort of not play that well in the playoffs. Kind of like shoot terrible in an elimination game or just kind of like mentally check out, which we saw Paul George do. So that's the only downside to Jimmy Butler, as we've heard from Pavi and TPJ, who followed Jimmy Butler close in Chicago. They saw him choke and kind of like mentally check out in the big games. And that's just a little worrisome with Jimmy Butler because he is going to be 30 in the beginning of the uh, 2019 summer. So do we want to pay a max contract to a 30-year-old who is basically a playoff PG percent, PG 13 percent type player? I don't know. But... He also had some beef with Rondo when they played for the Chicago Bulls. But who knows if Rondo's going to be here in 2019. Um, it was known that when we signed Rajon Rondo, IT was gone. And we saw Rondo and IT also have a problem. So either it'll be either Jimmy Butler in 2019, or I think we keep Rondo as a backup point guard in 2019. Um, but with all that being said... Jimmy Butler's never played with a leader and a all-around great player like LeBron, outside of maybe D. Rose in Chicago. If you put Jimmy Butler next to LeBron, I don't think Jimmy will have those instances where he lashes out at young players or blames other players for the team's struggles. I think he'll kind of look inwards instead of blaming outwards with LeBron. And I also think, I don't think Thibodeau is that well, um, What's it called? He's not that well equipped to deal with that. He's not a player's coach. He's a, here, do this my way or it's the highway kind of coach. And, yeah, bringing up my next point, a big concern is Thibodeau might have turned in turned him into the next Luol Deng, and that is playing him way too many minutes and running him into the ground. We've seen Jimmy Butler already have some injury issues the past couple years, and that is because Thibs have played him way too much so that would be another concern with giving him the max at the age of 30. Who knows if he'll be able to hold up? Does he turn into the next Luol Deng where we're just paying him to sit on the bench? I don't know. But with all things considered, I would love to have Jimmy Butler on the Los Angeles Lakers right next to LeBron. I think he'll be able to maintain most of his prime till the end of that contract. 
and I think he would be the Scottie Pippen type role to the Michael Jordan LeBron. And Jimmy Butler can shoot threes. He shot 35% last year and 36% the year before, which is not great, but it's not terrible. So he can shoot from the outside, and he and Lonzo Ball would make for one hell of a defensive backcourt. Lonzo can play great team defense. His length bothers small point guards, and Jimmy Butler is a pest. So those two would wreak havoc in the backcourt. Then if Brandon Ingram continues his development at the three spot, we would have three great wing defenders and it would just be we would be this great defensive team, probably a top five defensive team in the league if Jimmy Butler comes. Now just quickly I want to get to the next topic because as we're embracing our future, I don't really like talking about the past that much, but this next topic is something that's been weighing on me after seeing just a bunch of idiots on the timeline the past couple days and the past couple weeks. Kobe turned 40, so he got the Mamba Day on the NBA TV. And then he had the next day as well. So he had two days of basically clips, highlights, and a lot of love from former players and Laker fans. And for whatever reason, when that happens, it turns into... 29 other fan bases just disrespecting all of his accomplishments, comparing him to Vince Carter and T-Mac, which is, I think, the most disrespectful thing you can do to a five-time champion is compare him to two players that never scored a single point in the finals. And I think that's just the most disrespectful thing you can do. Don't compare Kobe to two perennial playoff chokers. Like, just don't. The New Jersey Nets got worse on VC game. Just stop this. But the Kobe games on NBA TV, they were just fun to watch. It's, it's fun to go back in time to when you were this young kid watching it, and then now you can watch those same games when you're in your 20s and 30s and just kind of relive it and rewatch it. You saw the game where Shaq fouled out in game four against the 2000 uh, Pacers in the NBA Finals, where Kobe willed us to the win at the end of the game. You saw the 81-point game against the Raptors. You saw the 2009 Finals against the Magic. So it's weird that there's all this um, video film for the new NBA fans to kind of watch and react to. And instead of saying positive things, you hear... The stupid shit like Vince Carter would have three three peated with Shaq. Or you hear T Mac would have gotten four with Shaq, and I'm just like, what? T Mac couldn't even get out of the first round with Yao, who averaged twenty five and ten in I believe their last series together. So just stop it. If Yao Ming is giving you twenty five and ten, you better not lose. Also, if you're the best player going up against Baron Davis, don't lose in the first round against B Diddy. And I know Baron Davis is a really good NBA player, but he was never T-Mac. So if you're T-Mac, don't lose to Baron Davis. And I think Kobe is one of those players that is underrated by opposing fans, even while being a top, an obvious top 10 player of all time. I just want Kobe to get the respect that he deserves as an NBA player. And that's not asking much. It shouldn't be that hard to give the five-time champion, the respect that he deserves yet. People say he was carried. 
He was not. Look at the stats for the overall playoffs. You will see a different picture from the ones that these 10-year-old nerds like to throw around with the 2000, 2001, and 2002 NBA Finals stats. And I mean, if we want to get really personal with it, Shaq played with Penny, Dwayne Wade, Steve Nash, LeBron James, and he tried to basically get on the Boston Celtic bandwagon in 2011 to try and get another ring. He played with those four great players, and then he played with Pierce, KG, and Ray Allen in 2011, and he only got one ring. Yet when he played with Kobe Bryant, he got three rings. So, I mean, the math doesn't add up for why you guys criticize Kobe when Kobe won two rings without Shaq, when Shaq only won one without him. I just believe Shaq and Kobe were more of a 1A, 1B instead of a number one and number two option. So just stop discrediting him. Just go back and watch some film. And if you choose to continue to say these blasphemous shit, just keep them to yourself. You look like an idiot. Like I saw someone today, and it's the same Raptor fan who just throws out wild shit. He said, Kobe is closer to Manu than he is LeBron. Kobe is a top 10 NBA player of all time. Maybe top 5. LeBron James is number 1. You're telling me Manu's in the top 20? Not a fucking chance. Manu Ginobili is not a top 20 player of all time. So no. Kobe is not closer to Manu than he is LeBron. Kobe is way closer to LeBron than he is to Manu Ginobili. Now let's get to the next segment. And I'm going to implement this segment in future podcasts, and that's the fan question of the day. I was asked by Zochu Big Baller to predict Lonzo's averages for this upcoming year. And this is one I'm excited about. I Lonzo Ball is probably my favorite young Laker player. It should be obvious the title of this podcast is the Zotime Podcast. And even though a lot of people say he had a bad year, he still averaged 10, 7, and 7 basically. He didn't shoot that well, so he's going to have to improve in a lot of areas this upcoming season. So my prediction for Lonzo Ball this season is he's going to average 13 points, 8 rebounds, and 8 assists. He's also going to average 2 steals and a block. He's going to shoot 43% from the field and 35% from 3, and he's going to shoot 65% from the free throw line. As you can see, with the actual like stats regarding like totals, they don't improve that much, but the efficiency improves a ton. And I believe that's the improvement Lonzo's going to show. Um, and I mean, to go from 10, 7, and 7 to 13, 8, and 8 within one year is pretty good for a 20 to 21-year-old. And I think that should be viewed as a huge success, and it's only going to improve the longer he plays. Especially once LeBron does leave in three to four years. I do think Lonzo will average a triple-double. And it's not surprising to say, well, how is he going to get eight rebounds with LeBron here, who normally has a high rebound rate? Um, we don't really have a center besides JaVale McGee. And we're going to be playing a lot of small ball, so that's why Lonzo's rebound numbers are going to stay the same way. And, I mean, I theoretically could see 15, 8, and 8 and maybe 45% from the field and 36 to 37% from 3 but that would be that would be the dream scenario. So if he gets that perfect but it's going to be 13, 8 and 8 
with two steals and a block. And that about wraps up the show. Make sure you guys follow Zotime Podcast on Twitter. Hit me up with whatever Laker-related questions you have. And until the next time we speak, go Lakers.